Hello and welcome to the Jackcast, your Swansea City podcast. I'm Matt Brocker and joined as ever by Steve Carroll. Afternoon, Steve. Afternoon. I say afternoon because we've uh, managed to grab an hour or so to get this one done. Um, we have missed a few games, Steve. We've got to catch up on. And to be honest, there was a part of me that thought, let's never record a podcast again. Because last time we spoke after that late conceded goal against QPR to rob us of the three points. Since then, four in a row. Yeah, you could maybe say we're a bit of a curse and um, maybe we should be eating humble pie uh, live on air at the moment. But um, yeah, quite the turnaround. I mean, we're a bizarre club, aren't we? I mean, we look at last season where there was the bad start. Then we had seven wins in nine and then about three in 20. Ended with seven in nine. And then we started this season with no wins in seven. And now we've won four in a row. I just don't really understand. Why can't we be a bit more middle of the road and like consistent rather than making us think one way and then you change your mind and then when you change your mind something else tends to happen and you, you're tempted to change it back it's all just a little bit strange isn't it but look things are a lot better than um, when we last recorded and um, well there's no complaints there is it? Can't have any complaints the only thing I would say the difference between that Russell Martin hot and cold uh, era if you like and um, this is that we have been pre-warned that Duff Start, start slow, he started slow at Barnsley, he started slow at Cheltenham before that, and both times, when they started going, they both went on great runs. So there's a reason to be optimistic that this isn't going to be a flash in a pan, like you mentioned, those spells under Russell Martin would be excellent, then Dyer, then excellent again, um, for long periods. This could well be the sign of what he had at Barnsley and Cheltenham, where things just started to click into place, players bought into um, his methods and, and hopefully there's it's positive sign of what's to come yeah I think um, you know I'd say particularly the last two games I mean we'll go on to discuss them all in in detail I'm sure but I think I saw signs in those two in particular that were encouraging I mean m- maybe not so much in you know Sheffield Wednesday because I think we we're playing a, a, a very poor side really but um, yeah there's definitely reasons to be optimistic as you say Duff has started poorly in his two other jobs and, and improved so you know, as ever, time will, will tell, really, won't it? But, um, you know, I do think he was fairly close to losing his job. You'd have to say now he's pretty much safe as houses, isn't he? So, mm. you know, um, that's the situation we're in. And, um, you know, from what I believe, there were clear-the-air talks behind the scenes and it's led to some backing down on his part. And, you know, we, we have seen, you know, the reward from that, really, I would say. And, um, you know, as far as I'm concerned, I'm more than happy to be wrong if it means that we're doing well. So... That's the most important thing, really, isn't it? I think that's what we said. We said this before we started recording, didn't we? Like, it's obviously the um, the the elephant in the room is the hypocrisy of it. If I say next last podcast, he's got to go, and then this part. I mean, when we started talking in pre-season, and in fact, the the date we mentioned was October International Break. This break we're coming into now would be the perfect time to sit back on this podcast and assess where things are going. That's what we'll do tonight, but. It was a lot of stuff, the rumblings going on behind the scenes, Some someone who's in and around the club, or multiple people in and around the club, disgruntled with the way things were Things were getting out, um, which, you know, doesn't help anyone, but it all looked like, if you couple that with what was going on on the pitch, it did look like right was on the wall. It really did, didn't it? It looked like, well, he hasn't won in seven. We're hearing about everything that's gone on behind the scenes. Surely this is a, a ticking time bomb now that eventually we'll catch up with him. But um, fair point, we talk about the clear of the air talks. I mean, he said after the Cardiff game, 
um, which was bitterly disappointing. It was about characters. It was about talking about, you know, this is where you'll, you'll see who goes hiding and who stands up. Um, and to be fair, to a man, everyone has. Yeah, I mean, it is, it's a hell of a change, isn't it? I mean, as we were talking previously, weren't we? It's, it's very rare that a team like us would win four in a row anyway. No. We did do it once last season, in, around the similar time, wasn't it, in October? But, I mean, unless you're like a top club, I mean, it's, it is very difficult to put a string of wins together like that. I mean, maybe, you know, an unbeaten run so much is, isn't as tough. But, um, yeah, to win four in a row, but to win four in a row after you've been on a shocking run is, really is some doing. So... It's been quite the turnaround, hasn't it? But um, if you thought, sorry to jump in, if you thought about the five games, if you include QPR in there, um, that's thirteen points out of fifteen, with three of the five being away. I mean, it it does look like you know there's there's pieces to the puzzle there, which you know we needed to be a lot more resolute at the back. We needed to be. So what we did, we conceded one at QPR, we conceded one against Norwich, and we conceded one against Plymouth. So in yeah. five games, we conceded three goals. And we're scoring. Yeah, the, I think the big thing is that if you, you're right to pinpoint that game, because obviously that's where we changed formation. Yeah. And we went to Absolutely. a back four and we started playing with wide men again, which yeah, I've always argued. How long have we been saying that for? Yeah, which is the, it's fucking the, two and a half years. Which is the true Swansea way, isn't it? And, mm-hmm. you know, I must admit, I did think that he was sort of gambling on it because... It was like a, almost like a last throw of the dice. So actually, a Humphreys left back. And we yeah. Thinking, oh, you've got time on. I don't understand. You know, but, but I thought playing low and Janelli are right. That, there was nothing wrong with that. No. I mean, that, that was a, a good move. They are our fastest players, right? Yeah, exactly. And it does. You did have the option of doing that now. I know, obviously, we're we're now struggling because of what's happened to Janelli. But um, yeah, I think that's the the main thing. It does show that it's just playing a different formation has been quite an <sighs> important part. I'm glad of it, you really. mentioned it because so, fucking hell. It's you know, so important. The five, yeah. Steve, or the three, whatever. Yeah. And I never want to see it again. Well, the, the problem is, though, due to injuries of personnel, I would be surprised if we maybe don't have to use it again at some point. I mean, unless we bring somebody in. Well, I mean, because if the guy is prepared to leave a tried and tested left back on the bench to put a centre back out left, yeah. then I think he, he will stick with his formation until maybe the results stop coming in. Because, I mean, you wouldn't. I can't see him changing it willingly, but I know what well, you I mean. Don't know. He might do it. I, I do think he might do it for the next game, yeah. partially because of who we're playing. And I think it might... doesn't make us more resolute at the back. It no, not necessarily. Has. But I think you know it also depends on what the fitness situation is like with certain players, doesn't it? Yeah. Now after the international break, so you know, look, I don't. Th- I think in general this will be what we do, but I'm. I wouldn't be convinced we'll never see it again. Because I would say you look at the change. In the likes of well, both Darling and Cabango, let's name them both, and I think it's no surprise to me that those two have come on leaps and bounds since going back into back four. They it's all traditional defending. They know where their jobs are. They're not caught between a left centre back, a right centre back, and, and and kind of drifting out wide to cover the winger because the left and wing, left and right wing backs are up the pitch and all the problems we saw um, under the previous regime, but. When you've got this kind of the centre-halves are marking the strikers, they don't really venture out of that 15-yard zone, do they? They kind of mark their men and they make sure that yeah, nothing gets past them. It's always just been a bit more obvious whose job is what. Absolutely. I think, whereas I did see a lot of with, you know, a back five, probably mainly under Martin as opposed to, to Duff as, as such. 
people not seeming to understand who they should be with. Crosses you know, you'd be caught out of shape. On the counter. You know, yeah, and you'd just be, you're getting caught then anyway and you tend to concede from it. But look, I do think a back four does work better in, in general. So that's still something to be personal. Absolutely. But also we know we are a lot stronger at fullback than we have been. Yeah. You know, there's depth there. So that's an encouraging thing for us as well. It's just now the, the one thing we don't really have in abundance is wide players. So that could cause a problem, but look, something we need to look at. I think, yeah. Um, well, we signed the squad, didn't we, to play wing backs? That's the problem. So inevitably, you've then neglected wide players. And now we've decided to play with them. I think is this what we have done really well is we've signed a squad capable of just taking a few injuries, which we've taken more than a few injuries. But when you look at the likes of George Tyman and you look at the likes of uh, Key on the other side. Uh, you think both of them could play higher up the pitch. I think they both have the attributes to start in a a wider attacking position. If they well, they, they could. Them. I mean, if you look at Plymouth on the weekend, I mean, if you'd ask most people who, pro- who weren't there, I'll say, because it's probably the best way of describing it, because the goal scorer was on the other side of the pitch that went past and passed it, no one probably would have guessed that it would have been Josh Key, no. would they? So and that's a compliment to him in terms of how what his running was like to, in desperation to get there so yeah I do th- I'm not saying we long term so yeah, I'm not saying long term these guys can necessarily play there but can they probably do a job over a couple of games or anything like that if they need to yeah possibly I yeah. think and that's that's got to be a good thing so and that's one thing that we do have is is numbers I mean last season we were putting youth players on the bench and stuff like that we do look like now we have a squad and we've seen in all the games we're going to talk about here Steve bench players come on and have a positive impact where does it help to see the game out or twisting that knife later on and just making sure I mean, as recently as Plymouth when Ollie Cooper came off the bench and scored within a minute you know it's yeah. what you want if you're a manager is to have your starting 11 lay the foundations and when you want to change it you have the magic on the bench that can be the difference sometimes between the teams that end up towards the upper echelons and those that struggle if you got the bench isn't it well competition for places is always key I mean we had a situation last year where for it me per, per, well <laughs> let's use Perot as an example yeah. I would say largely lacklustre for a lot of the season but undroppable because there's nobody else unless he was on two and then he'd, <laughs> then he'd take him off yeah that's, that's true Yeah, he was <laughs> subbed against Birmingham wasn't he <laughs> but in general was never subbed and you're just thinking well look you know, I, I got it in the second half of the season particularly, but at the same time, you think sometimes, look, you just need someone there just to give you that boot up the backside. And of course you do. In general now, we do have that, don't we? So, um, you know, that's certainly one positive from the summer was that they did strengthen and, yeah, you know, by and large, they got rid of our issues. So they certainly did until we decided to change formation anyway. Well, this is the thing, isn't it? I mean... How do you address it as a manager? If you came in, you could do the Russ Martin thing, come in and go, right, this is what. Although he changed the style of play, he didn't actually change the formation in his two years here until the last seven games, which is when he actually saw that upturn in form of the last seven or eight games. When you actually thought in the end we might have sneaked into the playoffs, and then we revert back to type in the summer when Michael Duff comes in with the five. We built the squad for the five, and Michael Duff has also come to the realization that the four allows us to be more solid, more adventurous in attack because you haven't got, you've got allowed your attacking players to attack then. Well, we scored plenty of goals, Steve, as well. I mean, it, it's, it's not been 
boring on the eye, is it? In terms of us attacking, we, we do look like a bit more adventurous than we have in a long time. No, we've, uh, like you say, going forward, it's been been great, really, isn't it? I mean, whether, you know, we have, I think we've created quite a few chances. I mean, yeah. I think like the Norwich game might be slightly screwed because a few of them were like goal line chances. Yeah, and it's sort of stayed one of them can go in. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, like, I'm not criticising that. It's actually been, sure, it's encouraging that we've kept the ball in there. we keep the ball alive. Yeah. That's that, not something we that, that, do. Yeah, that is a, certainly a good thing. But, um, yeah, look, our finishing has been pretty good. And the goals are getting shared around as well, aren't they? A lot of different goal scorers. So, you know, we should probably get into Sheffield Wednesday, shouldn't we? I think. Well, this is probably the most um, uninspiring of the four, but... I think with hindsight now we can look back on it and think we just desperately, desperately need to win against a team that came down to the Swansea.com, Steve, and tried to play football and for the large parts of the first half did play decent football against them. I remember saying to you um, at the time, whilst they're trying, you can see the they lack of quality. Really good, they were, yeah. But they were definitely trying. You could yeah. see. I was almost looking at their manager and thinking, like, he'd actually suit a, a team that wants to play uh-huh. more than... More than this, at that point, I was even thinking, would these managers, yeah, if they swap, because Sheffield Wednesday probably yeah, would take Michael yeah, Duffer, right? it'd be a case of, you know, arguably, they'd be better fits. I'm not saying either would be brilliant, but they might suit better. But yeah, they hate Michael Duff though, so yeah, well, they, <laughs> well I was going to say they must hate Cisco with his record, but I mean, it's, it's just a bit of a basket place anyway, isn't it, Sheffield Wednesday? Well, have you seen what the owner said since about the uh, fans? He's not putting any more money in. Now, yeah, like I won't, I won't really put the price down if more people turn up. But surely it should be up. I'll put the price down and I'll keep it down if people turn yeah. up is what it should be in there. But yeah, I mean, if you're having your own name put like built into the stand as well, uh-huh. like with the seats and stuff. It's the Vincent Tan thing again, isn't it? Yeah. It's an ego trip. Yeah, it feels like it, doesn't it? But um, yeah, I mean... But this, that game, Sheffield Wednesday, started off a little bit of the same old, didn't it? It didn't really... We didn't stamp our authority on the game. We were a little bit uncertain of what we were trying to do. Um... There were parts of it where you thought, oh, okay, maybe we are um, trying to do something here, coming off that one all draw um, a few days previously. Um, and one man in particular who started very well, well, a couple of men started quite well, but one in particular I'm going to mention is, is Josh Ginelli, who was really coming into his own and looking like a constant threat and maybe the out ball for us the one we give him the ball and he's going to get us 30 yards up the pitch with his pace and his trickery well yeah exactly I mean I when we signed him in the summer it was also the first signing I was really pleased because it just felt right now we've we've actually got like a player that can play wide here with pace yeah which is something that we were crying out for I know obviously we didn't see a great deal of him in the early games and he was playing a bit more centrally but obviously now in this game he was playing out wide and obviously won us the penalty which we desperately needed really didn't we we just needed a needed goal to, to, get to get up and running I mean if we conceded first it would have been a disaster wouldn't it I think so, it was, a, it was a, that teetering on the edge there wasn't it yeah. after, after the results before we still Cardiff was still fresh in the mind um, even though we played since and uh, a chance to settle the nerves and perhaps mm. quiet a little few of the booze yeah, exactly. I think for both teams, really, it, was a, it did feel like a bit of a six-pointer, didn't it? I mean, yeah. you, you sense that if there was a loser, the manager of that team might not last much longer. Mm-hmm. And obviously that happened. is what's happened, in this. And, you know, I think if, if it had been us, it would have been big trouble uh, for Duff. So, you know, we just I think when you're low in confidence like that, the first goal is everything in the game. And luckily for us, they were a bit dull in terms of tugging back Janelli and... 
gives us a pen. Jamal Lowe, to be fair, sticks it well nicely. I was surprised he took it. At that time, he yeah. was first. And Grimes had taken one a couple of weeks earlier in the cup. He had, yeah. And stuck that away top corner like postage. Yeah, you'd have thought Yates might fancy it being a striker as well. Mm. But um, he didn't. Play to him. I was going to say, Yates didn't miss one against us last year, didn't he, for Blackpool? Don't know if it was right. right. Andy Fisher saved it, didn't he? Yeah, he did, which, yeah. <laughs> I can't wait to ask. Like, it wasn't. A, I remember it not it was being. I'm just going to say. I remember it not being a pen that was in the corner. But look, if the keeper goes the right yeah. way and saves it, look, it's a great keeper. It's a great. It's a great save. No denying it. But um, you said that to gritted teeth, man. Right. It, it wasn't a brilliant pen. But look, if you if a keeper saves it, you're delighted. You? And it was a convincing save. I wouldn't say it was it like was. a lucky save. I think Bender saved one almost identical to it, didn't he, in the same season? No, Bender um, made a great save at West Brom, didn't he, if you remember? Yeah. Because it went down the middle and he saved it with his leg. Well, it wasn't. And he raised like his leg. One where he, 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 he kind of went down the middle and Fisher saved it with his leg, didn't he? I, I thought it went slightly one side and he saved Possibly. it. I could be wrong. But either way, look, he saved it, didn't yeah. he? Yeah. Which is what matters. But, but yeah, great long. penalty. It was. Stuttered run up. Allowed the keeper yeah. to make his decision. Stuck it away. Convincing, and um, we started to see Jamal Lowe that we didn't see during the lockdown year. And I hold my hands up to this, even if we've looked at other things and said why things have changed. I said from the off with Jamal Lowe, he did not convince me at all um, during Steve Cooper's time. I thought there was a mad stat going around that him and Ayu never assisted each other, yeah. despite playing the whole year up front together. It's absolute bonkers, which showed the disjointedness of the attack at the time. Score one and defend for your lives, really. But yes, it was um, to see him since he's come back, Steve, and how he's played with that energy and drive. He's like a man on a mission. I really like this Jamal Lowe. Yeah, he's making a difference, isn't he? And now in light of, obviously, Janelli picking up the injury which we haven't discussed yet I mean he's even more important isn't he because he is one of the rare players now who's got any pace so he has done really well I mean look at it for the third goal I mean he did well, really what a, what a control that I mean the pass. control and the pass it was brilliant and I if I'm honest I didn't really think he had that in his locker but he did really well there he's making a difference I've got to say I wasn't hugely encouraged about it but I did also think it wasn't a bad move based on he had a year left on his contract there probably wasn't a loan fee the wages would be low and like, you know, in next summer if he's done well, he can come in for nothing, can he? So yeah. it's a case of he had a point to prove, didn't he? And I, I think so. and it, it, the fact he came back here, he did say, didn't he, I've got unfinished business. So he did, yeah. and he's playing like somebody who does. So it, it low is, is well, being encouraged and he's making a difference, I've got to say. Massively so. And I think one of the big big components of Michael Duff's play is, and we spoke about this from day one, the high press. We haven't seen it enough, nearly enough, from any of the midfielders or attackers since yeah. they come in. Yates and Cullen have struggled together to put the pressure on the back line enough to win the ball back. Lowe's there as well, and we've already seen, if we yeah. take um, the, uh, was it Millwall? Where, no, what game was it? He robbed, robbed the ball. Norwich. Yeah. Like Norwich at home, he robbed the ball, didn't he? And um, we've seen how that high press can work if you've got the players in yeah. there to win it. So, Hugely impressive. I'm uh, hold my hands up there. So far, I'm so very wrong on Jamal Lowe. And um, but that first half was uninspiring, to be honest. It was, and to be honest, it was, I remember was Sheffield it? Wednesday were on their managers back, and I remember a lot of our fans were still on Duff's back. I did hear a few boos at half time. Yeah, and like it would, I think there was a chance of like Michael Duff, your football is shit, because I think Sheffield Wednesday were doing it about their manager. But then I think once we got the second. 
which was a nice turn and finish from Yates. Yeah. Obviously, the third has followed quickly, and it's a different game then. I remember we were playing quite well, and the confidence was up a little bit. Obviously, yeah. their yeah. heads were down because they've been struggling really badly, and you could sort of sense that maybe this was going to start an improvement. I mean, I still wasn't hugely encouraged, if I'm honest with you, but I, you know, you can only beat what's put in front of you, can't you? And on this occasion, maybe the fixture list did us a bit of a turn, and we got a much needed win against the poor side. But it just, it's, it's never going to do your confidence any harm, is it? So, yeah, it just gave and us something to build on. as well. Yeah, and that. Which is something which yeah. is, we've carried forward as well, because we were still leaking goals. Like we talk about yeah. changing from the back five to the back four, which has been massive in that. And um, and credit to everyone who's, who's come together to make that happen, because I feel like we could have called this podcast for the last two years the 4-4-fucking-2 podcast, because yeah. the amount we've said get to four at the back is um, boring me to be honest with you so to see us do it and do it well is, is just is absolutely what we want to see um, but ultimately to come away with it with a win I remember walk, I was walking out to the stadium and there was Sheffield Wednesday fans walking amongst the Swans fans singing um, we're going down we're going down we're going down and then saying you're going down straight after it because I think the general feeling after that game despite the second half where we played better was that was a game between two really poor teams yeah, on the day um, and we were the better of the two poor teams and I, I don't think that's an unfair assessment even though we did run out comfortable winners um, there was large parts of that game where we did leave a lot to be desired but we take the win we take a much needed three points away to the den and we see if we can do anything with that and let the confidence boost and build something from it and boy did we do that yeah, um, you know, I think one of the old cliches of the den being a difficult place to go and all this type of thing, but gotta say we, we did really well down there and it was quite a surprise. It's become a, a happy hunting ground for us. We've won on five of our last seven visits. I mean and I think before that we hadn't won there since nineteen thirty or something, so you'd have to say that we are um you know, we're certainly doing quite well there and it's a positive, but that was, I wasn't expecting that, I've, I've got to be honest with you, I think you were probably the same. I mean, um, you know, to go there and win 3-0 is, is a brilliant result, really. So, yeah, we, I didn't think we started necessarily brilliantly, but then the move we put together before we got the penalty was really encouraging, it was loads of passes, and then it didn't look like the ref was going to give it, but the linesman did, and then... Well, he was never going to just give it, was he? Yeah. Because he's, a, he's a, having to give the Swans a decision, which is uh, something yeah. the refs struggle with. So Yeah, exactly. He, he did but, um, eventually come to his senses yeah. um, and, and give the pen. It was a clear tug, wasn't it? That'll yeah, it was. And, you know, it was um, low stuck it away well again, didn't he? So two from two for him. Encouraging. The second one is another thing, another drum that we've been banging for years, you can't win the raffle unless you buy a ticket. Right? Yeah, I think it's, if you're in a decent position to shoot, isn't it, and they're on the strong foot, for example. I mean, Grimes does have a decent shot on him, but doesn't take it on often enough, although as much as it was a good hit, I think... Or oh, it's a defensive... I was going to say, keeper. I think the keeper should save it, yeah. But, but even if he yeah. does save it, it bounces just in front of well, him. That's the clever so thing about it. Spill it out there. So arguably that's why the mistake probably came in. It was a good hit. Yeah. It was it was enough to score, which was a massive goal at the, at the time of the game where Millwall yeah. were trying to get back into it. Um, but how many times we've seen us 
get into the position 20, 25 yards out centre to goal and pass it out wide. And I'm thinking, what are you hoping for here? Who is this massive target man you'll think we've got in the box? Because obviously um, the big Ukrainian is, is not that often on the pitch. So you're looking at it thinking, no. when we're in open play, in, in, for sure... Why are we playing it out wide so much to... to well, the main thing for me is that when we're playing it out wide then, we're crossing in the air and I'm thinking... Well, that's what we, I mean. In that we don't have the height. Exactly. So you're thinking, well, we're not really going to score from those situations. I mean... Centre to goal. Yeah, you've got to... Shot, do we? You've got to be a bit more realistic about it, haven't you? I mean, it doesn't want me putting the cross in, but make sure it's on the floor. Yeah. Don't put it in the air unless you've got the height there. It's different when you've got a corner and you might have Cabango or Darling or something like that that comes forward. But yeah, in general, going forward, unless Kukarevic is playing then, yeah, I don't really understand why we're trying to cross in the air. So. And he did come on and did do just that, getting yeah, the third, did. which was um, which I'm chuffed for him for. I do, I do think he's coming for a lot of undue stick uh, since arriving. Um, whether he's the manager's favourite, I think it's fair to say he hasn't uh, lit up Duff's eyes so far because he's not getting enough time on the pitch. But whenever he is on the pitch... I always think something's about to happen with him. He's a couple of times he's come close with quick turns and flash volleys over the bar and things. And I'm thinking, if he's got that to his game, plus the obvious physical element to his side, where he's he's tall and he's a little bit more imposing than the other strikers we've got, he nods in the third year. It's game over. It's another three 0 win for the Swans, and it's a it's a happy journey home for you. Well, I was staying overnight, so yeah. The happy <laughs> night, happy night happy first. Night out, yeah. um, very expensive one, as there always is in London. But um, yeah, look, that was a great goal. I mean, it's, we don't score many goals like that at all, do we, really, when you think no. about it? And low again, central to it, winning the ball, yeah. driving, and um, and playing the, what do they call it now, pre-assist? Or yeah. Looks like that. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, you know, Key has put a great ball in, to be fair. And, you know, it's a centre forward's dream if you're a big man, isn't it? Oh. Uh, a ball like that. And, yeah, um, a great goal and it, it rounded it off. We were very comfortable then and a lot of the home fans were walking up by that point. So, yeah, a great, a really good win that. And uh, I think, you know, that, that was the one that Duff really needed, I think, wasn't it? I mean, I'm not saying he didn't need the one week before, but that one just sort of lifted that pressure to the point where you think, well, you, you, you're not going to get fired now in the immediate future. So, so my yeah. thoughts on Sheffield Wednesday were um, almost to a point of irrelevance from... Duff's perspective because I don't think Duff would have won anyone over by beating Sheffield Wednesday yeah exactly however by losing to them I genuinely think we might be in a spot of bother this season as a club yeah. as, as Sheffield Wednesday appear to be some sort of fodder in this division they're going to finish low well so it'd be an amazement now if they didn't go down I think yeah. like you're looking at it and thinking it would take a Neil Warnock type rescue act, mm. but Neil Warnock, as a massive Sheffield United fan, <laughs> is very, very unlikely to go to Sheffield Wednesday. So you just think that they're probably doomed. You think so? But Millwall was um, again. It, it's one of those ones where we have done well at recently, um, but to go there and win so convincingly starts to win people around. But there were still doubters, and there's still a lot of people out there that would say, "Look, we've won two games against poor opposition." Um, let's see where we're at because we've got Norwich City in the week and even though they've had a bit of a hot cold time of it everyone's expecting them to finish in and around the top six so roll on to the Wednesday night Steve and whether Swansea City could carry on the winning run they got into yeah I think this was always going to be a tougher test than the other two and I think you know I might was 
probably going to measure us more on this game than and, and the Plymouth one that was to come after it than than the first two yeah than the first two um, but yeah I mean couldn't have started any better could we I mean a lovely move and Jamal Lowe again and this time from open play and he just fancied him to score didn't he, well, he, 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 he this is one of some about five minutes score where he wins it yeah. then he wins I think a little bit of fortune with the with a deflection off the defender yeah. into his path but nevertheless he opened his body up and that was only ever ended up in him yeah know. it was and I think the, particularly in the first 20 minutes of the game that was a good example of it where we were actually pressing the opposition weren't we yeah. it's the first time we've really seen us doing that and it was you could see it was making a difference and that was one of the things really that encouraged me over the last couple of games I think we just it's the, we're doing stuff like that better or in some cases we were barely doing it so it's we just look like a far better side and I know obviously confidence is up when you're you know when you're winning or you have been winning but I mean I was really impressed by that first 20 minutes or so I thought we played some really nice stuff and we just looked probably a lot better than we had in any other game didn't we and you know and as you say we scored a nice goal as well so we were winning versus the disappointment was Norwich scored from their first real attack yeah, or their is. first real chance where you know it's it's a big game they got a bit of fortune to get that um, ball comes back and it gets deflected into the path of Sarah in the middle and um, he nods past Rushworth uh, back where it came from and, um, and and their level and you're thinking right okay now we've got a game on our hands but to be fair there wasn't a point in that game where um, I thought we were underperforming there was a large part between what we would say maybe half hour mark Steve and maybe the 60, 65th minute mark where they dominated Norwich we got tired, didn't we? That was the main thing. We were trying, was it, from our yeah, point of view? We were just more aggressive in the in the attack than us. Yeah, I, I did just feel we were a bit leggy. Like we'd obviously had some yeah. in, we had some injuries, and we and the, the team had largely stayed the same. And I was thinking that with us really, we, we look a little bit tired, and as if we're we're sort of hanging on to a one-one. But we made a couple of changes, didn't we? Like Ollie Cooper was one that that came on. Yeah. Um, and we seemed to have a little bit of a second wind after well, that, didn't that we? That was, was most confusing because we did for 20 minutes of the second half look like we were hanging on in there and Norwich did start creating a few chances and you're thinking this is going to end up in the back of the net and then we're really struggling because we're already puffing. What, that last 20 minutes of that game, Steve, we turned it, We were the better team and I, well, I we think were. over the balance of it, no one could begrudge us winning the game because um, Norwich were very much... Out, out of the picture for the last 20 minutes where we were pressing and creating and created a few goal scrambles, a questionable block on the line with the hand or upper chest, wherever it was. Yeah. But you're looking at it and you're thinking, where's this come from? Yeah, that was what was really encouraging. I think just the, the way we've ended. I mean, you wouldn't... You know, we were, at the end of the day, we are playing a good side, one that's got a far bigger budget than what we've got. And they had all the momentum. And the, the, the momentum was with them and we managed to wrestle it from them. And not only halt it, but we the momentum went in our direction then. Yeah, yeah. So that was really encouraging, I felt. And then, you know, eventually we did manage to get a goal. It was a scramble, wasn't it? I didn't have a clue who scored at the time, we're gonna be no, honest. No, I, I thought it was low, but lower yeah. the initial shot. Yeah. And then um have you seen it back? Yeah. What a hit it was. Yeah, it would have taken someone's head off if they were in the way. But tell you what, it's a striker's finish. It yeah, was, it was um, tuck that under his control and rifled that uh, half volley into the uh well, he's, he's he smashed it. The defender's got a head to it, but he's he's lucky he could only deflect it into the net, Steve, because he would have yeah. been some pain if he'd got a full face on that. Yeah, exactly. And um, 
you know, but we had 20 odd shots in that game, didn't we? I mean, that's that's a lot. Yeah. And you can't deny that. I mean, if you're getting that many shots in in most games, you're, you're bound to be successful, you'd have thought. I mean, you're, you're just giving yourself so many opportunities to, to score. And I know a few of them came from the scramble, like like that one where we got the winner. But yeah, it was it was a night where I think a lot of people probably were one round, I would say. So this was the one for me. Um, people who listen to this podcast weekly or when we can record them um, will we'll remember one of my biggest gripes about Michael Duff and no indeed the Swans this season was that wasn't ever that Michael Duff wasn't good enough and I remember saying this to you it's not that Michael Duff isn't good enough we haven't played Michael Duff football at all this season there's been no high press there's been no intensity we haven't been recycling the ball quick enough or pressing or, or trying to win it up high this was the first time that we saw that throughout periods of the game and I thought, this looks like what I expected a Michael Duff team to look like, which was probably the most encouraging bit of all. Yeah, I think so. I mean, because it was quite, even to the, compared to the other wins that we'd had, we'd not really seen, you know, that those parts of our game really. Had we? No. So, like you say, definitely the most encouraging thing. And I think, you know, I do think a lot of people would have, even if they hadn't changed their mind, would have certainly it was become massive, more it? for Duff after this game. I think, I, from my point of view, it certainly was a case of, okay, I can see things now that are positive. It's not just that we've had a couple of wins against four sides. I can see there is genuine progress, a game plan, which I didn't think there was about a month ago. And, um, yeah, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, we just carry on going now. And, yeah, just want to see more of the same, don't we? Yeah, and, and this is, so if you can't play, and the players won't play Michael Duff style of football, then he has to go. And then you start to see it and you're thinking, well, this is something I can buy into because no one can watch, have watched um, the last two games and say that they don't think that this one's... Some will. We won't name names. Some will. But the vast majority of sensible Swans fans will look at that and think, we've had plenty of shots. We've pressed the opposition high. We've attacked with pace, intensity, aggression... And we are scoring goals regularly. That became our seventh and eighth goal in three games. And that was a sign there that things are starting to turn around. Could we take it to home park and be Plymouth? They have been a bit up and down recently, but they did have a cracking win the other week. And you thought, well, are they going to um, halt the run? And we went there, and would you believe an ex-player scored against the Swans? That never happens, does it? Yeah, but it wasn't the one we thought it would be. <laughs> it was always going to be an ex-player, though, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Um, not a great goal that we uh, conceded, if we're being honest with you. I mean, Cundall, not really known for goal scoring either, was he? I mean, no. I think everybody thought Morgan Whittaker would be the one, but he wasn't. But um, we weren't great in the first half, were we? I mean, I, mean, I, I wasn't convinced, uh, you know... I'm not going to say we're convinced. I wasn't entirely optimistic going to Plymouth just because I felt that we'd had those couple of injuries. We were playing the same team again. We played yeah. Wednesday, Plymouth had played Tuesday. You put it all together and just think, well, look, we're bound to be a little bit tired here. And I probably would have made a couple of changes. I probably would have been thinking, Fulton start this one. Does, does Ollie Cooper maybe come in? Just to freshen things up a little bit because it can be a grueling league, this one. And... Um, you know, so the first half wasn't very encouraging, but look, we, we came back again, didn't we? And it was a, a great win, you'd have to say, in the end. 
Oh, it was good. It was fab. I I wasn't as discouraged about the first half, but I was I was looking at it thinking that um, it was a little bit bitty, but we were still putting together some nice passages of play. So you could see the way before we didn't have a game plan or confidence. We at least had the confidence to try things this time. And whilst we didn't necessarily um, get at Plymouth in the way that we would have liked to in the first half, I mean, we had to give them an element of respect and credit for that. Um, we did come close on a couple of occasions to scoring, but likewise, um, at the start of the second half in particular, Plymouth could have sealed it. And then once again, another mention to Carl Rushworth, who, despite having so few clean sheets this season, possibly is already a top three nominee, nominee for Player of the Year because... He is constantly making absolutely incredible saves. Did one we didn't mention against Norwich as well uh, from the head corner of the box where he tipped yeah. it over the bar. And every game he seems to make well, one massive smashed him saves. in the face of Millwall, didn't it? Yeah, that's you right. Know? That was another one. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, oh, Rushworth is one of those that's worth you know quite a few points a season. I think. Yeah, for he's sure. been making some really good saves, and look, he, he looks even better obviously because of the situation that we were in last year where. Obviously, the goalkeepers were costing us points. So, yeah. you know, we, we needed to make, you know... A decisive we, move. We had to do something there. And we have, and you'd have to say, we've got a really good goalkeeper here. I mean, it's just a shame that it's a loan and it's not a permanent. But, I mean... I He'll think, play for England. I'll, I'll say that now. I think he's the sort of player who will have a Premier League mid-table team next season. And I'm not sure he will. Team. You don't think? Gonna, no, it's not, not to do with... play for Brighton. No, no, not, <laughs> not to think it's to do with him as such. I just think that... It can be difficult to be brave and to give a goalkeeper an opportunity. I think there's a chance he could be here again next year. Do wow. Do think that. Or it could be a case of I don't know, um a relegated team or something. Well or or I suppose say you no know, someone like Ipswich went up, I think their goalkeeper's quite good. But listen you know, uh, a team like that goes up, they might go, Oh, where well, we could take Rushworth as a someone who's watched him this year. Yeah, it could so but I do I, I, the fact is as a goalkeeper you want to play, don't you? There's only and it's not like you play two strikers or anything like that. It's one goalkeeper, as we know. So I and do think, and it isn't one like an outfield player where you can chop and change. You and no, not many managers do it. They could give a goalkeeper five or six poor no. performances before you change it. Exactly. So that's why I do think there is a chance he could be here again next year because they're not going to want him to sit on the bench. Brighton just spent twenty million on a goalkeeper. I mean, they haven't spent twenty million on a goalkeeper for Carl Rushworth to then become the number one next season. I don't think. So mm. I. I think he will be out somewhere on loan again. We would have a chance of having him again, like, I think. Um, I like a West Ham or someone like that. I can see him there, see? I can see him at a small Maybe, club. but they've got, they've got two experienced good goalkeepers, haven't they? Yeah. So this is the problem. Most clubs, I think, have got good goalkeepers. I don't really see a particular like opening, if that makes sense. I mean, even Everton are struggling, but they've got the England number one goalkeeper, haven't they? Yeah. As an example. So I think it's, it is a difficult one. Um so I think he could well be certainly in this division again next year. I mean, you look at I know Woodman had two seasons here. I think Rushworth is a better goalkeeper than him. Don't get me wrong, but yeah. I I think he could be here again next year. It's not as simple as him going up to the Prem. I don't think at this stage. But look, we'll we'll see. We're a long way off that. We're, luckily enough, we've got him for this year at least, and um, he's making a difference, isn't he? He is. So it was um, fabulous to see him once again uh, keep the score uh, down. Um, at that end of the pitch because it made all the difference at the other end and um, the 
guess he's a little bit like Marmite. Liam Cullen is the six. Some people aren't really bought into him, but others can see what he offers and he always gives something. He almost scored our only real chance in the first half um, that nearly sneaked in the bottom corner. And um, in the second half, he, he did a fantastic peel off the back post um, from Patterson's diagonal ball. He's nodded across the goal and Jerry Yates is there waiting to mop up um, as as, every, as all good goal scorers do. And, and the game's turned on its head in the space of a couple of minutes. Yeah, I think with Coloured, I think obviously he's not a wide player. He's, he's playing there because we're short now at the moment, obviously. And like he's doing it to the best of his ability. He's, he's someone that will work all day. His quality yeah. isn't the best all, all the time. Um, he is someone though that can pop up with a goal. Oh yeah, certainly a sure. yeah. like, So he's he's playing out of position for you, isn't he? But you've got to say with that goal especially. I mean, it's not like without it, we do not score that goal. I mean, he's literally that ball felt like a lost cause to me, mm. and he's made he's worked to get there. Not only that, he's put it on a plate for it. So yeah. he's done superbly there, and that that's turned the game really, isn't it? So yeah, you know, huge credit to to Cullen there. I mean. Yates must have been rubbing his hands thinking well I can't ask for more than this it's an open goal and there's no goalkeeper in sight it was so, an intelligent football play wasn't it yeah. because he knew from the angle he was at he couldn't score but he also had a centre half and a goalkeeper in front of him so the only way Cullen was going to make something of that opportunity was to head it over the pair of them and hope because if he hadn't spotted Yates you don't know he might not yeah. have spotted him in there but you're going to hope that if I put it in that area someone can yeah. attack it can't they because the keepers well if they won anyway they would have been furious <laughs> basically thinking oh this guy now has done brilliantly yeah? he's put it on the plate for somebody and there's nobody there so yeah look he's done great as far as I'm concerned Cullen is just a good he's great as like a backup player and then he can come in and when, he will never when question his application no he never question his application he's, look, he's probably more likely to put up with that as opposed to maybe someone else that's come into the club and yeah. again I don't think he, he'd be asking for the world financially either so you know, I I wouldn't be getting rid of Cullen. Well, certainly, I think no, he's no. certainly more, more than worth a place in the squad. And look, he's he's proved his worth there. And you know, I guess for the the next goal, the manager will claim uh, you know the credit because it, it's his substitution, it was, isn't it? Cullen went off for him. Yeah, yeah, he did. Cullen came off for for Cooper, who within a couple of minutes we're winning, aren't we? Yeah, I didn't think it was that long. I think it was less than a minute. Cooper was on the pitch. One of his first touches of the ball. And he brings it forward and Plymouth back off. And uh, and this is what we were talking about five minutes ago with uh, Grimes's goal yeah. uh, away at Millwall. Was in your final seven of its position, in years gone by, we'd have taken it forward to a point and then looked to see if we could retain possession by passing it sideways or out wide or backwards or whatever it might be to retain the ball. This was another example of... For now, you have to say it's something that's come from the training pitch because Grimes did it the week before. Now Cooper's got the ball 25 yards out and he's driven into the space and he's smashed a great shot past the goalkeeper. All the space of just opened up, didn't it? Yeah. I think that was the thing. Whereas you see, when you're in a situation like that, Grimes has played a nice ball to him. Obviously, he's turned and he's gone forward. But then with the way the space opened up and he's quite central to the goal, you're just thinking, well... Go on, I can't see another option, have a go. Yeah. Like, that's what this... I'd, if I was in that position, I'm a man with very, very low ability, as you know. <laughs> but um, you, you would be thinking, well, and most of your teammates are probably thinking the same, like, yeah, go on, pull the trigger. Our best see, route to go. See what happens. So, um, and look, it paid off, didn't it? And then it's a different game. Obviously, in the space of 12 minutes or whatever it was, we've gone from losing to winning. And I think the opposition were a bit shell-shocked, really, weren't they? They couldn't believe it. It was the... It was after that, again... 
where I found another sign of optimism and, and reasons to be optimistic because one thing that we have failed to do for so many years, managers, the only one I could probably stand out and say not so much was, was Steve Cooper, but even him, we did do a lot of defending backs to the wall. We just had a very good defence and goalkeeper to help keep it out. But in terms of professionalism and keeping the opposition quiet, this, again, was as good as I can think of in recent times. Of We just handled the game, and the game management, Steve, was, was, was superb. And the third goal, for me, was a perfect example of the change in mentality between the QPR late equaliser a few weeks before and the Plymouth game, and Duff had spoken about that. Stop going into your shells when you go ahead. Yeah, I think for years it's something that's always wound me up, and I think oh, you're all the same. Yeah. The case of like a, you know, when you do get an opportunity to break, you don't wait for the opposition to all get back in place and then think, right, we'll now try and score the greatest goal ever. You just think, right, well, people are out of position, and you have runners, and you think, just take bloody risks. Yeah. Like and literally because if they if they pay off, it's brilliant, and if they don't. You give the ball away usually in the opposition half where they can't really do a lot of damage. So, you know, that goal did almost remind me of a goal that Man United scored once. I think, uh, do you remember Ronaldo scored it at Arsenal? And it was about three passes and it was a first time finish from just outside the box. Okay. They ended up going in the top corner in this case. It was a Champions League game actually. But um, it was sort of like we had a similar idea with it. It was a case of we got it and we were thinking, right, well, Patterson's in space, let's get him in. And he's looked at it and gone, right, I can see Key making a run. Right, I'm going to play the ball. And to be fair, from Pato, it was a great ball. Yeah. Because he's not right-footed or anything, is he? No. And he's taken that that risk of the ball. And they soon as come off, like I say, the ball gets given away. I run by the opposition penalty box. There's no danger there, is there? No. But obviously, you know, if you get it right, you could kill the game. We got it right. Key has made up great ground to get that far forward. It's a great finish. And the game's over. I mean, but I don't know why we, we don't try and do that. It's not going to come off all the time, but they... That's what you should do when you get a chance. If you get like a three on three or something, yeah, try and. Never done it. Yeah, try and put yourselves in because I don't know why you wouldn't do that. We seem to get a one. If we are losing a game, and this is one of the biggest, but I can list bugbears of mine with Swans, but if we're losing a game, we seem to be unable to create those sorts of chaos situations where an equalising come from. But if we're winning a game, all of a sudden, everything's flying everywhere, we've got a gold glove goal clearances and, and uh, point blank saves and stuff just to keep the, the lead and we never seem to go for the juggler to try and then go and seal the win and that was a perfect example of how yeah. that worked well, well a good example as well is that we rarely leave anyone forward when we're defending a corner this was another one I was going to yeah, mention actually. Ex- exactly and it's a case of look you're not I'm not saying you've got to score for it but it's the fact that if the goalkeeper claims a cross and you've got a man up the pitch particularly someone that's quite quick you know you have an outball and, and you can, this keeper can throw the ball 70 yes, yards. Yes, he can. And also, if you leave one or two up there, it gets in the opposition's heads. Remember, we were talking before about West Brom, that weren't we? Perfect when we played, when Kurt, Kurt was, was in charge, yeah. we left about three forward, and they were like, right, well, we're going to have to do that now. And they were a big team that were had a big threat under Tony Poulos. Jonas Olsen back. That's and one. The other Gareth McCauley, was it? I maybe? think it might well have been McCauley. But they, they were going to play for set pieces. So leaving yeah. three men on the halfway line, they had to leave four back. And it meant then that their attacking threat from a corner completely diminished. And, and why we yeah. don't work. It is an extreme thing to do, mind, to leave three up, I must say. But I never understand why you don't leave one, at least. You've got to, you know. I like it because 
in a penalty area, a goalkeeper will always want a penalty area as empty as possible. Like when you see when keep players defend a high line on a free kick and yeah. stuff, they want to keep it as far away from the keeper as possible because you don't want that scramble and your keeper to be lost in the place. It's true, but, if you, but West Brom could have looked at it another way and gone, right, they left three up. Well, we could still just leave one or two back and then we got one or two unmarked, didn't we? You, I mean, you absolutely so it's, a, so it's a gamble, isn't it? Sort of. I was like, if you leave one one up, the opposition are always going to leave one or two if, back, and they they have to. I think numbers wise, if you consider that they'd have the corner taker out of the picture, and of course we've got the goalkeeper in the box, which they yeah. don't have, they'd have to really go three on one at the back to kind of make it worthwhile. Yes, yeah, which would be suicide if we did win the ball. Because yeah, well, was. of course. Um, you, you, you'd have to say that that is one of the things we've spoken about numerous times and I would be a massive advocate of us trying it again because it just completely nullifies the opposition it certainly did that time it throws them at us doesn't it as well yeah. they're a bit like surprised because you want your keeper to be facing it. less players in the box coming through a crowd he's more likely to come and claim that cross if there's only 10 players in there as opposed yeah. to 16 you know 17 so um Yes, but you do need the players to be able to run away with the ball, the Janellis, the Lowe's and the Cullens and stuff, to be able to bring the ball away and then, if you do win it, and, and really hurt the opposition. But um, that is a complete <laughs> segue off the, the the game. But there are a few bugbears about the Swans, but this was one that we seemed to suss, and Michael Duff has spoken about it um, after the QPR game and said, I didn't like the way in which, after scoring we went into retreat mode. And, and obviously you blamed then the lack of confidence and the lack of conviction in what we were trying to do. Um, this was... this well, was never going to blame himself, was he? No. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be realistic about that. It's not his fault. But this is chalk and cheese. Yeah, it is. Um, you know, and even if we hadn't scored from it, you know, I think that's the thing. The, the fact that we'd even tried it, it would be like, risk, look, we're it? looking to, you know, take what is a calculated risk where there's not much... You know, you don't really get punished for it if it doesn't come off, and if it does, you win. So, I think that's the the good thing about it, and it just gives you encouragement now that next time we got a chance to break, that we will go for the juggler. We won't be thinking, oh, you know, let's not take, let's not go for it, or let's go slow, right? And it'll be right. They're our position. Let's let's go for it. They lose the ball there, right? You could say, right, well, Josh Key's out of position now, but and you've got other players who are up the pitch, but Plymouth would still have had to have scored a goal eighty yards from. I, will call. I mean, by the time Key would have got back, you, you know, would have thought that by, would by the time they'd have, be an impressive yeah. goal, wouldn't it? By, by the time they'd have got like far forward, unless they launched it, Key would probably be back, or if yeah. some like Fulton would just slot in when they would have thought. Yeah. That's that's the sensible thing to do. So, so it's, it's you know. one of those risks where you think, well, actually, this is not as massive a gamble as you would look at it and go, no, I don't we can't so. do this on the edge of our own box. But if we're up there and we lose it. Well, they've still got to get all the way up here, and they can't pump it because we have the likes of Darling yeah. and Cabango. But also, it's not really the Plymouth style, is it? If no, you know what I mean, no, you could tell they were trying to play yeah. like nice football, particularly in the first half. I think maybe they, you know, obviously it's a jump, isn't it? Coming up a, another division, yeah. so maybe they were they maybe a little bit short in in some ways. But you could tell they were certainly a side that wanted to get the ball down and play. Yeah, is is fantastic to see, and and the icing on the on the on the cake really. A um, few notable mentions. We've mentioned Rushworth. I mentioned Harry Darling earlier on, who has really come onto his own. A man who couldn't really get much game time 
under Russell Martin when he came here. Um, he wasn't the favoured, and when he did come in, he was like covering Latibodier right back, and he, it was it was tough for him. And he even started this season for me. Um, Paulie, I mean, we were away at West Brom when he conceded the penalty, and again we were in the back five then. Um, since we've gone to the four, I think he's really come into his own. Uh, another player I want to mention, who I didn't think I'd mention again in a Swansea shirt of having a run of really inspiring form, is Jamie Patterson. Yeah, I mean, he's had like, well, I don't really know what to say about pa- uh, Pato. I mean, a second coming. Yeah, it, do, it does feel a bit like that. I mean, he's he stepped up, doesn't he? He's, he's a funny one. I mean, c- can we really trust him to to carry it on, I suppose, as a thing? You'd hope so, wouldn't you? Because he's he's making a big difference. And I mean, that, that ball the other day really was superb, wasn't it, for that, that final goal at Plymouth? But look, uh, let's hope he can, because we saw it, didn't we, when he first came here. He was, could be a real difference maker. And I think... He's, he's got the potential to be a real crowd favourite, don't you? Yeah. I think that's the, the thing with it. So I just really hope that he does carry it on. And I mean, you don't want it to think of a case of, you know, he gets rewarded at some point with the contract and then things go badly again. So he's going to put us in a tricky situation, I think, if he carries on the way he is, isn't he? But let's hope we end up in it because I'd much rather have that dilemma than the one of thinking, oh, Christ, we're wasting money on him and he's not playing and we're waiting to get rid of him. So, yeah. Look, Pato has stepped it up. Great. I really hope it continues. Yeah, for sure. And that was four wins from four um, going into the international break. An international break that, in the end, Steve, we really kind of needed because we've got an injury list and we've got a player's uh, month in up on there that we could do with giving them a connection. In fact, the players who aren't injured could do with a week or two off um, because of the way they've pretty much all played uh, over the last three or four weeks, have an opportunity to uh, recharge those batteries. Um, but some concerning long-term injuries in the last few games. Yeah, I mean, we've touched on Janelli, haven't we? That's a big loss. Um, you know, please retire the number 11 shirt. I'm, I've had enough. It's just beyond now. I mean, to lose him for a season is a, a real gutter. And, you know, what, what can you say? We, we wish him well. But then you're looking at... Joe Allen, obviously, I know he's barely played the season. In truth, hasn't played anywhere near enough since he came back. And no. sounds like that's three months. I mean, there's got to be question marks. I think over Joe Allen's long term future now, isn't there? I mean, you know, is he ever going to get fit again? I mean, it, it pains me to say it because I think Joe, if he's fit, is still someone that will more than do a job for us. And I think it's been really unlucky because at Stoke he did play forty one of the forty six league games. I think during the the season before he came back, so. That did suggest that we wouldn't have a problem, but I mean, he and can't crit- stay fit, can he? Critically, we mismanaged his injury just before the World yeah, Cup. Yeah, no, that, that hasn't helped. So it's not. It's definitely not Joe's fault. It's it's one of those things, isn't it? But it, you just feel like now it's, you know, it's it's something new all the time as well, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, at Cardiff, we could have really done with him, couldn't we? And he'd have been gutted. There's no doubt about it. The fact that he he pulled up in the warm up, but it's just there's different injuries with him all the time and. You know, it's it is like it's concerning that you know I've stuck I think up for him for last this. season. I, I can see him, um, you know, like doing his coaching badges and maybe trying to um, feel his way into the club coaching scene that way. But um, and and so obviously we we've done that with many people before at the club, and yeah. and I think he'd be more than welcome to do the same here because he's got a lot to offer um, but even if he does to be around yeah, as well. even if he does stuff behind the scenes you know he could be you know doing the co-commentary on Swans TV he could join doing that couldn't he or 
the stuff, um, you know, the behind the scenes with hospitality. That yeah. I'm sure be, the, it'd be ridiculous to not make use of him in in certain ways. To, and you know, he, he could go into some punditry, couldn't he? Doing Radio Wales and all this type of other yeah. stuff if he if he wants to do. That. We, we don't know what West Week as well. Yeah, we, we don't know what Joe wants to do. I mean, with does he want to do coaching or does he want to do something else? But I mean, he's he must be thinking it himself now. It must be so draining picking up these niggles all the time and just. You know, it's it's concerning. It's it's a shame it's going like this because I still think Joe is more than capable for us. But if he can't stay fit, then he, what can you say in it? But you know, I hope I'm wrong on this one. I really do. But I mean, the, the longer it goes on, the, the you just feel that I'm not, unfortunately. Yeah, um, Renton Janelli and the the number eleven. Um, it just have a look at the last twenty or so number 11s we've had. If you aren't aware of it. And how since we moved to the stadium, isn't it? Because Forbes then did well and scored the the last the, goal. The last goal of the vets was a winner, and then a winner the week after at Barry to keep us up. Then he got injured early the next season. Since then, that number is a bloody disaster. Mm. Literally, there's even been ones that have done okay in it, but have like underachieved. If you know what I mean, no one has excelled in it. Uh, players who moved into that shirt who didn't get necessarily yeah. injured. Like Scott Sinclair, like Daryl Duffy, both Mark Gower actually went the other way, didn't he? Even yeah, he changed the number and, and and improved immeasurably. Um, but there's a whole list of players who just had the worst times of their careers whilst being a Swansea number eleven. Um, so yeah, look into it. Uh, I'm sure. Uh, in fact, Steve's done an article about it. I think you'll probably be able to find that online. Um, it's an incredible run of bad luck with it and I do say and we did say this last time it came around um, I think it might have been when Janelli signed and he got injured straight away in the first warm-up session yeah. for me just just what harm would it do just to not give anyone that number because really it doesn't change a thing but it stops this bloody thing happening you know it might just start happening to the number 13 or whatever but at least this thing can stop going on where you get number 11 shirt and I think at this point Steve you're waiting for it aren't you? Well it just feels inevitable now doesn't it? I think the last draw was the year with Covid where Gibbs White took it and I was thought wow that's that's a really good signing and then he only played half a dozen games didn't he? And then Jordan Morris took it yeah. and played about two and then yeah. did a crew shirt and you're just thinking it's just a disaster. And obviously Gibbs White they let him work his way back to fitness here and then recalled him well yeah. as soon as he his first game back he recalled him Jordan Morris actually had a really impressive game the day he got injured and then did his cruise shit in and we never saw him again um, yeah but that that is just the tip of the iceberg really um, so the international break Steve could be a blessing um, not just for those injured but those who've been playing every game as well yeah, it's a bit of a funny one because you always think when you've won four in a row, you don't really want the break, you want to carry on. But I do think in this case, it might not be a bad thing because, you know, we like you say, we, we in certain positions, certainly, we've been a bit short. Um, a lot of players have had to play a lot of minutes. Um, and you just think it'll give a few of them a chance now who've had knocks. Maybe Cabango will make a return money after the break, for example. Um, so... Let, let's hope that that is the case, really. Um, and it just gives people a little bit of a break, doesn't it? I mean, it's a rigorous league. I think I remember saying before we played Cardiff, the fact that we did then have, whatever it's called, what, six games in 22 days or whatever. I think you're going to get a similar type of thing now 
when we come back again. It's just, you know, it's in, it's so intense this division. I mean, you don't get much break. I mean, if but you I have, think this is the worst because the Premier League only play thirty eight times a year. Yeah. The League One and League Two don't stop for international break. That's right. So we have the 46-game season plus those international breaks in between, which just means every game gets crammed into... Yeah, so it's a fact of, like I said, no game for two weeks here. And uh, obviously, we don't have many internationals anymore when you think about it, no. don't we? I know Cabango would be in the squad. But it's always the thing of, like, for three weeks or however long it is now, we need you to be proper on it and all this type of thing. And then you get your... You're two weeks off. I mean, it's a little bit like... Or you would rather just play one yeah. game a week and just keep that steady it's a li- fitness going. Really, like. it's a little bit like where people go away to work sometimes, don't they? And they barely have a day off because they're away and then they get like yeah. a prolonged period at home. And it's almost like you get... That's what you're asked to do, isn't it? At championship level. Um, you know, but then once we get into... After the international break in November, I suppose, much as there's a few games, it does calm down a bit then, doesn't it? Until Christmas. Until then, you know, the obvious at Christmas you get a lot, but... I mean, yeah, it always feels like at the start of the season, you get every four to five weeks you get a break. But, yeah, you're just getting games crammed in on you, so it, it is, is what it is. League. It's the, one of the best leagues in Europe. I think that's been talked about for many years now, but it is absolutely grueling and probably one of the toughest as well. Um, it is the international break, which means we are going to do what we said we'd do at the start of the season, which is... Review the new manager because we did say give him until October and then we'll say it because, you know, he came in and there was a fair portion of the club, uh, fans rather, who were less than pleased with the appointment, thought of him as a little bit more of a traditional football manager as opposed to this new age, cool manager that uh, that had gone before him kind of thing with his uh, innovative ideas and stuff like that. Michael Duff was more of a kind of first things first is hard work. Forget about the fancy stuff. Hard work, hard work, hard work and everything else comes afterwards. Um, If I'd asked you this question two weeks ago it'd be something completely different but how do we assess Michael Duff's first few months in charge? Well, it's, it's a strange one, isn't it? Because obviously the start was bad being I called for Zed. I can't say anything else but Look, I still, you know, I think want to see how things play out. But the fact is, things have improved quite drastically. So it's now a case of he deserves time to carry on and and see what what happens really. So, you know, I think we've certainly the last two games we've seen steps forward. Things that I've liked to do with pressing, and then you know where the fact that we we are looking to play the more ambitious passes. We've proved with the. The winning goal the other day and getting lots you know, of shots away. Yeah, and we? the fact is, we, as we said in the summer, we had done some good business in the transfer market, and it was good. You know, um, like there is depth there in in most positions now, not that wide, obviously, because of the injuries that we've got. But yeah, I think you know we're in a, a reasonable position now. I mean, I'm not saying that this run is going to continue for too long or anything like that. But I th- you know, I think there was genuine fears of relegation, and I think now. I'm quite relaxed that we won't go down. So that's the, always the first aim. And, you know, we'll, we'll sort of see how we go, won't we? But the next spell is going to be tough. I mean, Leicester we've got next, for example. They're running away with it really, aren't they? And then, mm. you know, before the next international break, we've also got Ipswich, haven't we? So that's well, two. To be fair, you say running away with it. Yeah. Those two are running yes, away with it. Yes, they are. Because 
They are so they're hot on their heels. They are. So those those two games, for example, are going to be challenging. We've got Watford, who are not doing great, but they're on parachute payments. They've got a bigger budget than we have, haven't they? So, yeah. you know, look, there'll be some there's some tricky games to come in the next cluster. But look, we've the main thing is we've got some good points on the board now. We're we've got a nice little cushion towards the bottom, and you know, confidence is up. So. You know, we're, we're looking better and there's reasons to be encouraged and the manager has managed to dig himself out of a hole and, you know, but that's got to be a good thing. Yeah, um, I think he's he's done what, kind of what he said or other people have said would happen when he arrived. He came in and he took his time to make, to get turn things around to the way he wanted to play and this is what now what we saw against Norwich and Plymouth is kind of what I was hoping for when we signed him in the summer as a manager to see the press, to see the intensity in the off the ball work as well, which is something we struggled with so pre so poorly um in the last few years. Um to, to come into that and actually show us be aggressive and resolute at the back. Um you know to to, to also that sort of invention and willingness to try something that won't necessarily result in a goal, but will give us the opportunity if it comes off. I mean, that's the difference, isn't it? Is taking the risk, and because if it comes off once in three, Steve, it gives you a goal which wouldn't have come around otherwise. Well, exactly. I mean, I've, I've listened to Paul Scholes doing punditry before, and he was talking about like players playing safe passes and this type of thing. We said if you get if you play the risky one, it won't always come off, but when it does come off. It's like you could be in a one-on-one situation and that's really what Key was in on yeah. the weekend, wasn't it? So I think it's always about about that. And you'd rather that see your pass percentage completion dip because you're making these it. type of things instead of a case of, right, I'll just keep playing the safe ball. I mean, there's a time and a place, isn't there? I think sometimes you have, really learn, serious, you, you have to learn when to play the, the more ambitious one or if a case of think, well, it's not on, so I'm going to keep it and then wait for something maybe to you know try and build up a move or, or wait for an opening. But... Yeah, I think it's a case of if you see an opportunity, just play it. Because if you get it right, then great. And if you don't, you tend to give the ball away in an area where it doesn't matter so much. Yeah. It's hard because it does look like if you took the history, as I said at the start of the podcast, of the Barnsley and Chapman spells, then history does look at the face of it to be starting to repeat itself here. In that he did have a very slow start and really struggled with a lot of the fan base. Um, and said some questionable things to the media and all that horrid stuff that was being leaked in the background as well. So to, to see the turnaround has been quite remarkable. Long may it continue because it's the best. Um, it's the best for everyone. And seeing us play with that kind of... Uh, I say play with a smile on our faces again because the players are looking like they're enjoying this kind of um, attacking style of football now. And crucially, whereas we've perhaps faulted on this in the past, we're looking so much more no-nonsense the other end. Yeah, we are. Um, and that's why we've got to be encouraged, really, isn't it? I mean, we've talked a lot about us going forward, but defensively it's looked a lot better. And you can see did three in the last five. So, you know, and as you singled out a few for praise, that Rushworth has done really well, as you say, and Darling's improved. Key's been really good since the season started, isn't it? I mean... Humphreys is now gaining in confidence all the time and yeah it's looking good and obviously we haven't even touched on the fact that Wood is out injured for a while and that's a big loss isn't it so yeah. you know 
we couldn't have coped with these injuries last year, I don't think, could we? No. You know, I, think we, I know we, we were without Alan, really, for a lot of last year, and we were okay there, but in the centre midfield, we have got a lot of options, haven't we? But, yeah, I think in the other positions, we'd have had big problems if we had long-term injuries. So, yeah, we've, you know, the good thing is now we have options to make sure that if we have uh, injuries, we're okay. So, look, there's, there's plenty to be encouraged about at the moment, but, um, you know, let's just hope it doesn't go a case of we go from a good run to a bad run again because that seems to be a theme, doesn't it, over the last 18 months or so? It does, but we never had this kind of blueprint to work on before where we were told it will start slow and then it will pick up. And once it picks up at Barnsley and Cheltenham, they kind of stuck with it then and they went forward and kind of pushed on. And I'm just showing you on your laptop there the five subs that came on against Plymouth. And this is after that lengthy injury list, which we've spoken yeah. about. Jay Fulton, Ollie Cooper, Harrison Ashby, Kukarevich, and Liam Walsh, whose long-awaited return. Um, there's five people there that would potentially have started in other circumstances. Well, the, the way of looking at it is, if everybody's fit, then certain people are not getting on the bench, are they? It's, it's a good problem to have. Yeah, it is. I mean, I mean, look, Joe Allen got injured in the warm-up at Cardiff, and I think Kukarevich was the one who yeah. wasn't on the bench initially, and then yeah. ended up on the bench as a result. So... Yeah, I mean, I think that's the that's got to be a good thing for us. We do it feels now like there's depth. If someone gets injured, in, apart from maybe out wide because of the injuries that we've had, you are looking at the bench and going, "Oh, there is actually a, a replacement on there, even if he's not quite as good." There's not one on there where you're looking and thinking, "Oh, this is a disaster." Yeah. So that's got to be a good thing. Yeah. So we're up to date. You got anything else to talk about? No, I think we'll come back next week and look at Leicester, shall we? And Watford. Yeah, let's not look ahead to that yet. Let's just enjoy what we've seen and um, hope for more of the same um, once we come back from the international break. It'll be a tough ask um, to repeat the recent form against Leicester. Um, but it's a free shot. It's a way Leicester started the season and no one's going to say that they're going to win every game between now and the end of the season. So... Um, we have we got to approach it as uh, as we've been approaching the last few games, Steve, and uh, and see where that takes us. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, pressure off now because we've had good results and we're playing against a good side. So, yeah, I think it's sort of a test to see, you know, how how good we really are in some ways. Can yeah. we really mix it with a top team who realistically should not be in this division? Of you know, they shouldn't have been relegated, should they? They were no. more than good enough to stay up, but they've kept a lot of their players and. Look, they're going to be dangerous for everybody as they've they've shown so far. So it'll be an interesting one for us. But the fact is, I think a few weeks ago, this would have been sheer dread going into this game. But now I think we can all feel that we can compete with them. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. Well, I said this was a top 10 squad. Um, and I stick with that, I think. Um, I was never kind of worried about relegation in the sense of if it did still go south with Duff, then I was thinking, well we'll replace Duff and we've still got a squad good enough to climb this table quickly. I'm glad the results are turned around and we've looked like that plan is coming together and it looks really now like we know what we're doing out there, which was the big real question mark people were saying at the start of the season. So, yeah, long may have continued. Join us again next week for a preview of that Leicester game uh, down at the Swansea.com stadium. And, um, yeah, let's uh, take this positivity forward and see where we end up. 
But from myself and Steve, thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm.